It's episode 68 of Left Side Heavy, the podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I'm your host, Jevin LaFave. You can follow me on Instagram at Jevin.LaFave, on Twitter at Jevin LaFave. Find everything for the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Left Side Heavy underscore. Be sure to head to the YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Left Side Heavy. You can find full episode podcasts there. Today, I'm welcoming back recurring guest, one half of the Did You Hear podcast, Emma. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, bummed Pat couldn't make this one, but we'll definitely do it again at some point with both of us. Yeah, it'll happen again. No, football's always going on. Baseball's going to come around the corner sooner or yep. later, but have you, uh, how have you been? How are things? How are are good. things? Yeah, I said when I got on, it feels like things are so crazy right now. There are yeah. a million sports things that feel like are just breaking the internet every single <laughs> week. So it's tough to keep up, but it's exciting. Actually, the 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 MLB offseason is one of my favorite times of the year. So I'm super excited as all these big new deals keep coming in. It keeps everybody very busy. I mean, especially this class. Like some yeah. of the names that are um on the market are absolutely crazy especially with the season that they just had too it's it's quite insane oh yeah yeah i'm so excited this is this is one of the premier classes for sure because it's just like even like the position like shortstop you got seager correa you got a few others too and then freddie freeman he's like the face of the braves who just won the world series and he's on the market too like where is he gonna it's it's quite insane but Hold on, I'm getting these mail notifications. I've turned these off. I've been dealing with them all day. It's been so annoying, especially in class too. I turned off all notifications on my computer. I just can't deal with them. Yeah, I'm going to need to start doing that because now yeah. my phone and laptop are linking anyway. But um, you uh, you and Pat started a new thing for um, Villanova and stuff. Uh, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, thank you. So Pat and I are super excited about it. We were doing a lot of Villanova basketball content on Did You Hear? We were doing game recaps and previews and all of that. And we had a guy on named Eugene Repay uh, right around March Madness last year. And he writes for VU Hoops, which is a Villanova basketball website, part of SB Nation. And Eugene and his co-host Chris had been hosting the State of the Nova Nation Villanova basketball podcast for six years. And they just finally we're done with it. They wanted to transition on to bet to bigger things. So they asked Pat and I to take over. So we've been doing that for a little under a month. Now we've got a bunch of episodes under our belt. It's been so much fun. We've been doing the two podcasts. So, you know, it's a grind obviously, but it's fun to have specific Villanova content because Pat and I both went there. We love the basketball. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you for asking. That's awesome. So is it, you guys are, cause Pat said he's sometimes recording like three four times a week and i'm like that i would drive myself into a wall so like how do you like what's your schedule like yeah so for did you hear during the baseball season we were doing two baseball episodes a week so luckily that has transitioned out so now we're only doing one did you hear a week and then the state of the nova nation episodes comes out on tuesday and thursday so we had decided that recording monday tuesday wednesday and sometimes thursday would be far too much so we actually stack episodes now some mondays we end up recording for about three hours straight which is just so much but we do we do really love it it is just a lot of time in front of the microphone 
so do you record like a full day and then just delay the upload yeah day? yeah and the weird thing is when when it becomes really game dependent we're gonna have to work around that so there yeah. are some games that start at 8 or 9 p.m our time and we can't record until 11 p.m and we just gotta suck absurd. it up and do it yeah so it, it'll be a, a lot of flexibility on both of our ends but we're making it work so far yeah i mean not absurd for my end because that that's only 8 p.m which is yeah. nice about being on the west coast but that is so nice yeah the, they had a the villanova had a game on friday against ucla and it was it was in california and it started at 11 30 p.m eastern time which was just absurd and luckily it was a yeah. friday night but still yeah. i didn't go to bed until three it was just it was too much far too much i actually heard i saw something on twitter from a canucks beat reporter so this is even like surprising from this end he said that he he prefers east coast sports times than west coast so he likes the you know 11 p.m start times or like 8 p.m start times until 11 and i was like I don't know, like for like a Thursday night yeah. or like a Wednesday night. Yeah. So all your times are like 4 p.m., right? So like on the East Coast, sometimes like a hockey game will be at 4 p.m., but 7 p.m. their time. Yeah. But that is weird to think yeah. about it that way. Just yeah. kind of in the middle of a work day. I'm yeah. glad I at least don't have to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Our like the Canucks and like over here on the West Coast, we start all all our games usually like seven, seven thirty, which would be like 10, 10, 30 year time. Yeah. Well, that's why I can't, I can't watch any of the West coast games. I never watch the Lakers. I never watch the Dodgers, the giants, because I yeah. just can't stay up. I like, that's why I just think West coast is, can be more beneficial. Cause yeah. if you can either, you can like stream a game if you're like somewhere, but it's hard to battle tired. Yeah. That's, that's kind of a hot take. I, I strongly disagree with what that guy said. I would almost always rather have the earlier time. Especially as a West Coast beat reporter. I, I found it very surprising. But yeah. um, huh. let's get into some NFL. Um, week 10 was an absolute crazy slate. Back-to-back slates were absolutely wild. But um, what were your thoughts on like this week's setup of games because there are some upsets there are some like games the lions steelers one was something mm-hmm. that was hard to watch at times mm-hmm. but it was also like entertaining in its own right but what were your thoughts about it yeah that game was the best worst game i've ever watched <laughs> and by worst i mean one of the most <laughs> tragically awful games ever yeah it was funny because Week nine was crazy, like you said, but those were at least some good matchups. I didn't yeah. really feel like there were a ton of good matchups this week. I was excited for Browns Pats and I was excited for Seahawks Green Bay because they both got their quarterbacks back, but otherwise not a ton of marquee matchups. And then it all started Thursday night when Miami beat down Baltimore. That was weird. That was weird. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I watched all of the Detroit Pittsburgh game and it was just awful. And then on the flip side, the games that I expected to be really good were blowouts. You uh-huh. couldn't even watch the Pats game because they were just dominating the Browns and the Packers were dominating the Seahawks. So it's weird how it, it always seems to be like that. And and then the Sunday night game, Chiefs Raiders, I expected that one to be close and the Chiefs had it from kickoff, it seemed like. Yeah, I'm so happy because... I saw I saw this like Instagram poll. It may have been VM, 
but they said like Raiders plus three is Chiefs minus three. And I was like, Raiders plus three, easy. Because yeah. there's at least once during the season that the Raiders beat the Chiefs or at least play them close. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is money, but like 41 to 14, it kind of went the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. No, I, I, I really did think the Raiders were going to be, if not winning, at least close. Yeah, I got a lot of people lost money. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about the Raiders season in its own right. They've gone through probably one of the worst seasons a franchise could go through yeah with you know Gruden and Ruggs but I mean Derek Carr might be the people's MVP this year he does, with he, everything he's had to deal with he does seem like a really good guy yeah Pat and I talked about it this week it seemed like that was their their breaking point game and on a on a human level it's not hard to see why because how much more can this team take exactly because just keeping that locker room in check after you hear what rugs what happened with rugs it's like hey yeah. like that's devastating right we're not gonna probably see him ever again in this yeah. locker room and then john gruden it's like it, it's almost like he kind of got singled out because there's like over sixty-five thousand emails found and then it was only gruden who got kind of got punished it's yeah. obviously hearsay what was found but i mean it'd be devastating, but for Carr to like keep this team somewhat in check, because what they won the first week that happened. Yeah. I think they're now, I think they're two and two since Basaccia took over, which even still yeah. isn't, isn't that bad. No, a lot of people were expecting them to like plummet. Yeah. Yeah. After this. Happened. No, I, I think that's a really good point. The rugs one is so difficult to process too, because I mean, he's our age, first of all. I know. And, and these guys had relationships with him. And now you're right. Like, they could literally never see him again. He could be in prison for 50 years. And that's what happens. That's what he did. But it's a weird thing to have to process. And the Gruden thing, the whole Washington probe is its own thing that I don't even, <laughs> that seems above our pay grade at this point. But it is weird that. Gruden was the only one and remember all that weird stuff that happened because he said the racial slur and then everyone was defending him yeah and then all the other stuff came out so it's just literally it has just been a roller coaster and none of the people in the Raiders organization have had a time to think and reset and at the same time they still have to go out there and play football games when all of their stuff has been so much bigger than football this season exactly and especially that they're in a position to contend for their division because right. the Chiefs, like every single team in that division is neck and neck. Yeah. Like they're battling for a spot. And because so they can't let their foot off the gas or let anything distract them because or else their season could be done. So yeah. they have to like fo- keep focus with all that outside noise. It's impo- it's near impossible to try and um, overcome that. So shouts out to the Raiders, first of all, but let's uh let's break down some games. I have some highlighted games here. I want to talk about the Dolphins Ravens game. Thursday night football. Dolphins upset them 22 to 10. Watching this game, what are your thoughts on the Ravens and like Lamar Jackson as a whole? Like, are they a team where you don't know what to expect going into a game anymore? Mm, that's a good question. I think. No, I think you do know what to expect when you play the Ravens and it's going to be a heavy run game. 
I saw today actually that I think they released Le'Veon Bell, which I thought was kind of an interesting move because they definitely do not have the luxury to be cutting players when almost everybody on their roster has been hurt at some yeah. point. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird quality over quantity at this, uh, no quantity over quality at this point for them. Yeah. I don't, it was a weird game and it was very disappointing for Ravens fans. I'm sure. I think it was kind of a fluke. I, Lamar Jackson's better than that. Their run game is better than that. And most importantly, their defense is better than that. Their defense yeah. has, has won them games point blank. And they've dealt with a lot of injuries on that side of the ball too. I think it was just a weird thing. The, the um, tandem of Brissett and Tua, that's tough to get. Yeah, that was against. weird. And I have a, a whole other thing of thoughts about how the Dolphins handled Tua for another conversation. But my, my bottom line is I don't think the, the sky is falling in Baltimore. I think they still go back. They still have a former MVP. Their run game has been good. And then the other thing is that there's just so many drops. There are so many yeah. drops by receivers. If those drops stop happening, then they will be doing better because they'll be moving the moving the ball better no that's a good point because a lot of people are and i was honestly like a huge critic of lamar jackson i thought he was kind of a bit overrated and overhyped but then um my buddy Corey, he's been on the show a few times he kind of like put me in check and he said have you seen like the guys he's throwing to like people say he is a bad thrower but he's put a lot he's gifted a lot of good passes to receivers and they've just dropped it. Exactly. And then that, that same week that he told me this, I watched highlights and Marquise Brown dropped three touchdown passes and I'm pretty sure the Ravens lost. And <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, no, like he's got a point. So drops are a huge thing. It's almost like forcing Lamar Jackson to take on that running back. Exactly. Uh, to be Superman. People, yeah. yeah. Because he's like, if people can't catch my passes, I'm going to have to gain yards somehow. Yeah, that's a good point. So <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I kind of, I take back everything I said about Lamar Jackson. I think he's a complete baller and one of the better leaders in the league. Like, mm -hmm. I think he's in terms of valuable, he's probably the most, one of the more valuable players to his team. So it's just, Consist consistency issues with the receivers on the Ravens. Yeah, definitely. Is a and, little tricky to judge. Yeah, there was one part of his game that I felt like we hadn't seen, which was the clutch throws, because how he how teams have been able to game plan against him and really what his one weakness has been, because he has one of the best records as a starter that anyone has ever had. And yeah. it's really just in the postseason where teams have been able to game plan against them because they know that they're going to go to the running game if their back is up against the wall. Lamar Jackson ran a two-minute drill, and it was a game-winning drive. And I can't remember what game it is off the top of my head, but it was this season. And I thought, oh, wow, okay, check. That was the last thing Lamar Jackson needed to be able to do, and he just did it. Proved that he can march his team down the field with less than two minutes left in a hurry-up offense, being able to run and throw, and mostly just throw because – you don't have a lot of timeouts left. And when he's able to do that, you see how complete he is. And I, I truly think he can do anything. Um, if you're talking about the Detroit game, I'm not counting that because that was a 66-yard <laughs> field goal and they went past the play clock. But Yeah, that was the Justin Tucker game anyway. Yeah, but uh, no, because that clutch factor is a good point because I think with the playoffs, I think the first step 
to get into that playoff part was um, spotlight games or like under the lights, like the primetime games. That's where I was looking for. Primetime games. The one against the Chiefs. That one was huge. Yeah. Beating First Mahomes in prime team. Exactly. First time he and beat Mahomes. Yeah. I think that kind of got the monkey off the back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, like he's gained the confidence. He, because I always doubted him throwing from behind and he finally proved me wrong there. And I like, I don't think that was just a me thing. I was a lot of people like, can he throw from behind? That's a huge critic about Lamar Jackson. But he, I think he's finally developed, gotten that into his game where he can throw from behind and run those drills to bring his team back into game. So I think that's a really big step up this season for Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, they're always going to be critics because yeah. he's different than the the average quarterback. But I, I seriously agree with everything you said. He's added so many parts to his game this year specifically that he hasn't been able to do. And he's not in that MVP conversation really. And I'm not sure why he's, he's had some down games since Brady got really, really good and Murray and Stafford, they will probably win it over him, but you're right in thinking that there aren't many more players that are more valuable to their team than Jackson is to Baltimore. Like maybe Derrick Henry to the Titans. And even then they're winning without him now. So yeah. I honestly think Lamar Jackson could be a top three MVP this year because every quarterback this year has had multiple bad games. So he's not the only one. True. But um, I want to shift it over to the Pats because I just want to highlight. Are you you a Pats fan? I see you tweeting about them all the time. Are you you Pats? Yeah. Okay. Then I could gladly say our Patriots. (laughs) We blow the Browns out that i think that was a game to really put them on the map this year mm-hmm. yeah it's funny because you could look at it both ways you could start it with the way you did which i think is the better conversation and then i'll say it just to say it the browns really stink and they have not been able to find themselves at all they have a really good game against cincinnati everyone thinks oh wait maybe they will compete for the afc north and then they have an absolute non-starter against a Patriots team that has looked inconsistent at times. I hope that this is the game that the Patriots will look like in the future. You know, like this won't be their fluke game. This will be their style of game. Mac Jones and Josh McDaniels is just the most perfect partnership ever. The defense is clicking. The offensive line looks really good. The defensive line is able to put pressure on the quarterback. They just pounded Baker into the ground play after play. And the run game, that was what I was most excited about. As good as Mac looked, if this team doesn't establish a running game, their offense just doesn't click as well. And they don't even have Damian Harris or James White. It's been unbelievable to see what these rookies have been doing. And I guess you can you can put Mac Jones in that group too. The rookies on the Patriots are just stealing the show right now. Yeah, I think that the Patriots are ruining a lot of free agent running backs um thing about wanting the bag like dalvin cook for example he wants to get paid but it's like you look at ramondre stevenson damian harris they're getting paid a quarter of what dalvin cook wants and they're still balling out you look at uh johnson on the browns he every start that he's gotten he's balled out and he's like the third string running back on the browns Yeah, he's nasty actually yeah so it's like how important really are running backs if, you, if the turnover rate is so quick 
Like the Patriots have like three, four running backs they can use and be confident with. James yeah. White, when he's healthy, he's a good pass catcher. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, JJ Taylor. When we had Rex Burkhead, he was unreal when he got when he was the workhorse back. So I think the Patriots are really ruining a lot of running backs. And I would hate them if I was like Dalvin Cook. <laughs> yeah, they're taking money away from them. I, honestly, after Zeke's contract, I kind of really got that in my head. Like when you saw how effective Tony Pollard was being. Yeah. And you just gave Zeke however many million dollars, tens of millions of dollars. It's a really good point. There's no need to pay money to that type of running back if you can just draft the next Ramonde Stevenson or yeah. Dearness Johnson. It's yeah. It's going to be the same thing. Of course, you have to be a good drafter. It's not going to happen every single year, but you might not have to pay the guy $80 million. You could put those resources to other players, and that's what the Pats did. That's how they were able to remake their offense and their defense by not putting money into a really high-caliber running back, and it paid off. Yeah, because I was talking to Taron Caravella. He works for PFF, and he's yeah. a Packers guy, and he said he was like, I'm pissed because we got rid of Lindsley on our old line, and we decided to pay Aaron Jones instead. When you see mm -hmm. backups like Ramon J. Stevenson, Madison, Pollard, Johnson, you see all these guys going off when they're getting paid in pennies, mm -hmm. and it's like you don't need to pay a running back. I'd rather keep that old line unit for as long as possible when they're at the top of their game and then pick a running back up off the street and they can give me a half decent game uh -huh. to keep the defense on their toes. That's all you really need a running yeah. game for. I was really surprised. I remember being shocked by that Packers move too. Yeah. There was no reason why they should have gotten rid of Lindsley. And especially when they re-signed Jones after they just signed AJ Dillon in the second round. <laughs> And Dylan's really good too. Yeah, I know. So it, yeah, it's kind of, it's questionable moves, but yeah, I think after this week, Mac put himself like as a serious contender to win offensive rookie of the year over chase and like chase, like, don't get me wrong. He's like nearly breaking numbers and I totally understand if he wins it, but I think if the Patriots make the playoffs or even win the AFC East, then Matt could seriously contend for that. You would think that if they win the AFC East, it's because of Mac Jones, right? And if the Bengals win the NFC North, I'm not sure I would say Jamar Chase is the reason why they won the AFC North. So when you're thinking about it that way, that's an interesting point. I still think it's Jamar Chase right now. Me but too. I think if yeah. Mac Jones has four or five more games like that because that was his first flashy game in a while he's been doing all the little things and i have been talking him up so much it's so funny pat just will not give mac jones credit it's the most infuriating thing ever he will not give mac jones any credit but it's because he doesn't think it's the the pizzazz and the small things he does everything right it seemed like this was his coming out party and everyone started to realize just how good he is it's just that Bill Belichick has been keeping him under wraps a little bit. And now we're starting to see him get more freedom and look what he can do. Yeah. Like last thing before we like kind of move on, but my thing, I was so annoyed because they were doing a lot of the dink and dunk passes. Yeah. I was like, let him stretch the field a bit. And he has been lately and he's been throwing darts to like yeah. Henry, Jacoby Myers, Kendrick Bourne. Like he's been throwing dimes. 
And I finally think he's building up the confidence to stretch it to like 20, 25 yard throws instead of like the five yard out routes and let the backs or receivers do the work. So I'm happy to see them finally letting him kind of have the green light a bit to do other, like just be a bit more ballsy, I guess. No, definitely. And I, and I do think Bill Belichick deserves a lot of credit because when you see how the other offensive, I mean, the other rookie quarterbacks have played this season, there was not any sort of leash at the beginning. And for the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, they, that was never the case. And for Zach Wilson and the Jets, it was never the case because they were the starters week one. Yeah. And it was their team day one. It was never really Mac Jones's team. He was able to ease in a little bit. And maybe now that's why he's starting to thrive week 10, as opposed to seems like Lawrence is just showing more and more weaknesses week after week. Yeah, because people were like, it's Cam's team until week five after the yeah. Pats box game, but then it was Max team from the start. So yeah. um, speaking of Cam, Panthers 34-10 over the Cardinals. I have a question. Hmm. Does the two or does this loss without Kyler Murray help or negatively impact his MVP odds? Interesting. Does uh, him yeah. missing the games prove how valuable it, he actually like, is? Impact him not winning MVP because he's missing the games, or does it help him because they're an absolute tragedy without him? Yeah, I think the 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 latter. I think it actually helps him because you are totally right in that every single quarterback has had, or every single uh, I say I say quarterback, but I meant MVP candidate has had an absolute trash game. Tom Brady's a, was this week. Even a Josh couple. Allen. Yeah, like exactly. Even a couple. Um, yeah, Josh Allen against the Jags. Matthew Stafford has had two straight bad games. Lamar Jackson didn't have a good game against Miami. Kyler Murray hasn't had that game yet. That being said, I think if he misses three games, that probably takes him out of it. I was surprised yeah. that he didn't play on Sunday, to be honest with you. But I actually really like that question. I think it makes it seem now that he's even more valuable because without him you're also missing jj watt on defense you're also missing hopkins on offense but without kyler murray this offense doesn't go yeah because it all stems from the quarterback yeah like you can have deandre hopkins all you want but if he's getting tosses from colt mccoy McCoy, (laughs) who seems like the oldest youngest quarterback in the league Mm -hmm. i feel like he should be like 38 years old how old is he that's what I would have guessed. Is he that old? I thought he no. was. I thought no, he was, he's probably like 32. Uh, yeah, I thought he'd be like early 30s. He's, yeah, but it does seem like he's been around forever. He's 35. 35. Yeah. I, thought, I thought he was younger than that. Yeah. But he seems older than that. It's, yeah. it's like Randall Cobb. I, I keep thinking he's like 40 years old, but he's like not even 30 yet. But um, no, Cause that's, that was my thought. I was like, I think that these games should even like improve his MVP odds because mm-hmm. of how like out of sorts they've looked without him. But Cam Newton made his return to Carolina, two total touchdowns projected to be the week 11 starter. What were your thoughts on Cam Newton back in a Panthers Jersey? I loved it. I thought the two play calls that he had were just absolutely amazing. And he, I, I actually am a big Cam Newton fan. I feel like he gets a lot of shit and he doesn't deserve it. And 
I do believe even if he was on the Pats, I'm happy they went with Mac, obviously. But yeah, I think if he was on the Pats, we would have seen a different, better version of Cam Newton this year. And I'll think he'll be that better version of himself in Carolina. I don't think Carolina is a playoff team. I don't think with Newton, they're a playoff team. Darnold was terrible and PJ Walker was fine in his start, but he's not the long-term solution. So I'm glad they went after Newton. They have Christian McCaffrey. So that obviously helps makes the quarterback look pretty yeah. good. But bottom line, I, I do think we're going to see a better Cam Newton in the second half of the season. I hope so. I, I also think like he's back with DJ Moore, McCaffrey, all that. Yeah. I think he's kind of back where he didn't necessarily want to leave. So I think that can help him play. And obviously McCaffrey helps with the short throws because his shoulder is absolutely gone. So I think the short throws to McCaffrey is going to help him. But no, it's uh, when he said, like, when he took off his helmet and started yelling, I'm back. Like That that was a pretty cool thing to see. It was awesome. But uh, of course, he got unsportsmanlike after that. Yeah. I mean, I think anyone would have. But no, it was a lot, but it was kind of necessary, honestly. Yeah. Because he's been, yeah, he's been saying, like, I should be back in the NFL. There's no 32 QBs mm-hmm. better than me, which, I mean, hey, it could be it could be true. Yeah. Uh, 49ers. I think I sent a question to John on last episode with the loss to Arizona because they got demolished by Arizona last week. With Colt McCoy. Yeah, is his seat, like, sizzling? And John Grimaldi said yes. And I was like, I kind of agree because he got absolutely like demolished by Colt McCoy and the Cardinals and stuff. But I think this win helps him a lot by scheming up an offense to beat the Rams. Yeah. We're talking about Shanahan, right? Yeah. Kyle Shanahan. I actually don't think his seat is hot because I think people are going to be willing to give him a chance with Trey Lance full time. This was okay. the trial year, and I get that it is his still it's still his decision to play Garoppolo, but I think we're gonna see Shanahan and Lance from week one to week 17, all 16 games. Otherwise, I just what are the better options? Who are they gonna go after? Who's a better offensive mind than Shanahan? I get that this this season and the past few for San Francisco have been infuriating. I totally get it. And this was finally the year where they would get past the injuries and they would just play better football. And they're in the best division in, in football and they would finally start to click and it hasn't been that, but I I don't, I don't, I think Shanahan's going to be safe for at least a full year with Lance. I can, I can get on board with that because obviously he sees what Lance, what we don't see in practice. He, right. he probably knows he's like, hey, he's not quite ready yet. Let him have a full offseason with the playbook like another year around. Let him keep learning. We'll probably trade Garoppolo in the offseason to like yeah. Pittsburgh or something. We <laughs> actually need a real quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then we'll roll with Trey Lance because he has he can be he can come in and play. But like, can he be an NFL starter? That's the real question. Because there's a slight difference. You can come in and play, but are you actually deserving to start? And I think Trey Lance falls like right in the middle of that. Mm-hmm. He's just not quite there yet. He still makes the, I got raw talent, but do I have the discipline of an NFL quarterback? He still makes those kind of mistakes. But I think he'll be all polished up by next year. And I think it's fair to say that he deserves a full season, start to finish, 
How does he do with Trey Lance? Kind of a new system. He can run as well. Let's see what he can scheme up. If it's terrible, then maybe it's in question. Yeah, then maybe you you burn the whole thing down at that point. Yeah. But you don't make that move up in the draft, trade away all those picks, and then don't let the don't let the quarterback and the coach do it together for a year. That wouldn't make sense to me. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, do you think a question for you? Do you think Fields? has solidified himself as a starter as opposed to just the guy who can come in and show the raw talent? Yes. I, I think, I think, cause I think fields actually putting, he came into Georgia and um, gave Jake from some competition. Mm-hmm. He was a big name at a big school. And then he was like, I think I'm better. I'm going to go to Ohio State. And then he get, puts his name into Heisman consideration. Trey Lance started like 17 games at a D2 school or D1 AA school or something like yeah, that. Yeah, FBS. At North Dakota State. Yeah. So I think Fields, as he's still pretty raw, I think that he's a, he kind of knows what it's like to be controlling offense a bit more than Trey Lance. So I think there's a yeah, that's a good difference. point. Yeah, but there's there they have very similar play styles. So yeah, they could be in like fighting for the best QB in the class like years down the road when we look oh, at it like five years later. Totally, I hate judging QBs too early on. It's like one of my pet peeves. Like people are calling like Fields a bust, and it's like hey, it's like twelve games into the year. Like, can we relax, please? <laughs> Let's chill. Yeah, yeah. But uh, very quickly. Uh, before we kind of shift to a different sport in MLB, uh, the Lions can't buy a win. <laughs> they just can't. They just can't. Not even against Mason Rudolph. It's. Did you see that field goal attempt? Yeah. I, I was actually... <laughs> I don't even know how he kicked that. Like, how Same. was it so bad? It, it didn't even get off the ground. It wasn't blocked, wasn't tipped, wasn't yeah. anything. It was just awful. Yeah, it's tough. I love Dan Campbell. I I'll love say him too. It. He is so <laughs> awesome. And he deserves a better team than this. He deserves yeah. better than Jared Goff. I do think that this was the first game that he called the plays. And it finally seemed like something clicked, well, obviously, because they tied instead of lost. That, also, That Dan Campbell called the plays? Yeah, Dan okay. Campbell was the play caller. And he finally used the best player on the roster and DeAndre Swift. And it's not even close. Yeah. And I don't know why yeah. they weren't using him heavily all season long because I that agree. brings such an advantage. And as horrible as the Steelers played, they do have a really good defense. They have a really good rush defense and Mm -hmm. Detroit ran it down their throat. I mean, the fact that they put the ball in Jared Goff's hands as often as they did, I thought was just ridiculously dumb because they were able to average eight yards per carry. It seemed like Swift was just that good, but yeah, the fact that they couldn't pull out the win is just, it seems like it's just another way of the lions finding new ways to lose. Yeah, it's just not going to work out. But in my opinion, I think you go all in on Thanksgiving. Bet the house on the Lions. I think it's yeah. just going to be a whole different thing against the Bears. Yeah. yeah. I don't you know. would think that would be even worse than the than the Steelers game. Yeah. But Man. Thanksgiving, it's a narrative. 
roll with it. Let's go. Yeah, I like that. But uh, anything else you want to touch on football or do you want to move to MLB free agency and World Series talk? Yeah, let's do that. So I'm about almost a month off from this, but I waited specifically to have you on to talk some baseball. And I was thank you, Pat, as well. But unfortunately, that I'll have to wait. The Braves beat Houston in six. What were your thoughts on that? Because were they like a World Series contender, like going into the playoffs? Like I know they finished first, but were they like, did people take them serious? No, no, not even close. They they won one of the worst divisions. That might even be generous. The NL East was definitely the worst division in baseball. And they won because all of the other teams were just too bad, kind of like the Lions, like we were just talking about. And they played the Brewers, who were a lot of people's favorite to win the World Series, or at least the NL pennant, because of how good their pitching staff was. And they beat the Brewers, and then they beat the 106-win Dodgers, and then they beat the Astros, who was one of the best offenses in baseball all year long. I said, and I I will own up to it, even though it was a horrible take, I thought the Braves-Brewers series in the NLDS was going to be the most lopsided affair. And the Braves ended up winning and then winning the World Series. So baseball's crazy. You can literally never, ever predict how anything is going to happen because it always blows your mind. But to to make it short and sweet, no, the Braves were not contenders and they won anyway. So what what is it about them that got them to win? Because I, yeah, like I, I was hearing across social media and all that, um, that they were just, they didn't have it. Like they were good, but like I feel like it was kind of a false advertised team to finish first. Yeah. So what was yeah. it about them that got them to win? So I think the reason why they were false advertised is because they had so many injuries throughout the season. So when you look back on this Braves team that won the World Series for the first time in 25 years, they didn't have their best player, which is Ronald Acuna Jr., who's one of the best players in baseball. They also didn't have Marcel Azuna, who they just paid all this money to, to be one of their best hitters. He was out halfway through the season. They didn't have their best pitcher in Mike Soroka. So it was just a continuation of weird things that happened. And when it comes down to it in the postseason, it's what teams get hot. And the Braves were hot. They got it from the most unlikely heroes ever in all of their trade deadline acquisitions. I'm sure you heard about that. It was one of the, <laughs> the most overdone storylines ever, yeah. but it was because it was it was just so crazy how all these guys made such an impact. And then the bullpen for the Braves was unbelievable in the World Series too. And Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman. Yeah, pending, he deserved uh, it. Now UFA. Yeah, because that's a one name that I've, heard constantly like just starting to learn about baseball is like freddie freeman and the braves like you know when you just pin a team to a player yeah like you're in the yankees yeah like ortiz and the red Sox, like that yeah. kind of thing freddie freeman whenever i heard him i just think braves like and i'm glad that he finally got his world series title with the team that i've always like kind of known him under yeah the homegrown it's funny because he he is a free agent now, but I have never once considered him a pending free agent because if he does not get re-signed by the Braves, the world will literally stop turning. Do you think that this is a one-off year for the Braves or do you think they can kind of continue to be kind of like the Rays? Yeah, that's a good question. 
I definitely don't think they are as analytically driven as the Rays. I don't think any team in baseball is. You would think that they're actually going to get stronger next year because they're getting Soroka and, and uh, Acuna back from injury. Yeah. And all their pitchers, their young pitchers especially, will continue to take the next step, like Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright and, and so on. So I'll say, yes, I really do think they can build upon this. They have the talent. They're losing some of those trade deadline acquisitions that put them over the edge. But when you have a core of Freeman, if they sign him, Acuna, Albie, Swanson, Austin Riley's really good. He's really underrated. And then on the pitching staff, Freed and Soroka, that seems like a really good formula. I think they definitely have more NL East titles under their belt. And that's the thing. If you can just make it to the postseason, all bets are off because that's what happened to the Red Sox. And they're in a position where I do believe they can be the best team in the NL East for a long time. Interesting. Interesting to hear. But um, I got some, the top 25 free agents. And I kind of want to hear your take on the player and what, team kind of best fits them awesome uh we'll kind of start at the top oh i want to talk about this player carlos correa did you hear his latest quote about Derek jeter yeah the gold gloves things i don't know i I don't know why the context of it came up do you know that like why was he talking about it why is that necessary (laughs) i i just heard it on a podcast or heard it that he said it on a podcast, but I don't necessarily know. He was probably being compared to a stat of Jeter's of some sort. And then he was like, God, don't worry about Jeter, like whatever. And they're probably like, oh, why? And he's like, I just don't think he deserves. Yeah. It's probably something like that, but I didn't hear it. Yeah, that sounds right. On it? Um, unfortunately, it is objectively true. I saw a wild stat that I think Jeter does have the worst defensive metrics of anyone that has won a gold glove, which is pretty stark. His, um, his DRS, I think it is. I yeah. Was, I was reading about it this morning. It's, yeah. it's like the worst since it's been implemented. <laughs> so that's not a great look. But that being said, I, I get it. But Jeter was one of the best shortstops to ever played. I don't know why we have to keep debating it. It's period. Correa is a fantastic player, but Jeter, he, he's nowhere close to the legacy and the tenure that Jeter had. So he can get there. Right now, he's a better defensive player than Jeter ever was, sure. But I don't know if we need to go tarnishing Jeter's legacy. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was definitely eye-opening when I... When I heard yeah. that. No, it's true. I, I didn't realize Jeter was that bad defensively either. either. Same here. Same yeah. here. <laughs> but uh we'll stick with Correa. He's 27. Where do you think he uh where do you think he lands? I've heard a lot of talks about him maybe going to the Yankees, but I don't think that's happening anymore. <laughs> yeah. You will learn that literally any good player the Yankees will want. So the Yankees will be quote unquote linked to literally every free agent, and they just don't yeah. have the money to do that, obviously. Uh, just up front, I think Correa is the best free agent in this class. Uh, I think he's phenomenal. I think injury concerns was literally the only thing on his cons list. And he's proven that that's not a long-term issue. So that being said, I also think he'll, he'll get the biggest contract out of all the shortstops. Like we talked about the premier class of shortstops. I think he will go to the Detroit Tigers and he'll reunite with his former coach, the coach that was involved in the science ceiling scandal, A.J. Hinch. 
And the Tigers are going to open a lot of eyes this offseason. They already spent a lot of money on Eduardo Rodriguez, a five-year, $77 million contract, took him from the Sox. They've got a really young rotation. They've got a lot of really good young bats, but they still need the guy, and Correa is the guy. Are they close to contending? Because do you? Because he's up there to break the postseason home run record, right? Yeah. And do you think that is kind of sitting in the back of his head? He's like, I want to go to a contending team where I can like break that, have my name like at the top of the record. Like, Definitely. Do that, so, do you think the Tigers are close to being like a long term playoff team? Yeah, definitely. I don't. They might not make the playoffs next year. They might not make the World Series next year, but they are one hundred percent close because th- they've done such a good job of rebuilding. And when you think about how good they were a couple of years ago, when they had it was more than a couple of years ago. I think it was twenty fourteen. They had Justin Verlander, David Price, and yeah. when Miguel Cabrera was really good, they tore it down. They drafted really well, and now these young pitchers have had time to test out the kinks a little bit so now when they try and compete they'll be really well proven well proven and they still need a a few more pieces they need a couple veteran pitchers and there are a lot of veteran pitchers on the market so but yes bottom line i do think first of all correa being on the team makes a team a contender he's that good but i think Detroit's ready even without him do you think we'll go to another one, Verlander? Do you think he could reunite with the Tigers if you say they need veteran, pre- vet, oh, interesting. Uh, veteran pitching? I actually hadn't thought about that, but he he would be a good option. Yeah, I think Verlander is on the list of every team. Every team wants a guy like Verlander, obviously, yeah. because he's so good. He's going to go to a team that's roster is one pitcher away, and there are not a lot of rosters that are like that. He's aged like fine wine, hey? Yeah, right. He's just like he's kept up his like pace from when he was like in his prime uh Corey Seager yeah so I do think Seager's gonna go to the Yankees I do think they're gonna get a shortstop they need one because Glaber Torres can no longer play shortstop competently and Seager you it's people are saying it's a toss-up between Correa and Seager and their talent level I think Correa is the much superior defender. So I give him the edge and he's got that it factor too, that Corey Seager doesn't really have that being said, it's New York. So yeah, you kind of come into your own in New York, but he's so good at the top of the lineup. The Yankees desperately need a contact oriented hitter because the only contact hitter they have is DJ Mayhew and he had a down season if you put Corey Seager in that lineup, it evens them out so much. They're no longer relying on the home run. They're no longer too power heavy. They're no longer too strikeout prone. He just makes everybody else better. And that's exactly what New York needs because they were so inconsistent on offense last year. Yeah, there's, I was talking with uh, my buddy, Brandon Goff, and he kind of told me about how they like to set their lineup. They're like two on base, two hitters, and then alternate back and forth and they just like needed the consistency because like Brett Gardner isn't going to be there anymore because I mean like why would they bring him back (laughs) because he's ancient yeah yeah so they kind of just like need some more like players that are able to hit and like play competently well like Mm -hmm. defensively so I think that's a good fit yeah um I'll talk about a few more because we could probably go on for a lot longer than (laughs) I have you available for but uh Max Scherzer. Yeah, 
I think he's actually in the tier above Verlander if it even goes that high. People are thinking he is going to break the 50 million a year barrier that has never been broken. He will literally make $50 million a year. At 37 years old. That's crazy to hear. Yep. (laughs) And so personally, if I was a GM, I don't think I could do that. It's just too much money. It's scary. I get that if you're going to give it to anybody, Scherzer is going to top that list. But for a guy that gets the ball every fourth or fifth day, I don't know. Jacob deGrom, when he's up for free agency, it's going to be the same conversation. When it was Garrett Cole, when it was Trevor Bauer before that whole thing, I get the the argument, obviously. But when you think about how many more players could be picked up using the money that would go to a contract like Scherzer's, it's kind of sickening to think of it that way, right? Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Do you think he a lot? Because I've heard some people say that um, they think he'll just come back with the Dodgers. Yeah, I do. Again, Scherzer is going to go to a roster that is ready to win now. And the Dodgers are definitely ready to win now. What I'm really hoping for is Scherzer to the Angels. And I know it's mostly because the Angels have a ton of money to spend, but they have the offense and the defense. They just have not had pitchers for years. And it's been so infuriating to watch literally just as a baseball fan. I don't even have any anything invested in the Angels. It's just that They have so much talent on that team and it hasn't been discovered or in the postseason because their pitchers are so bad. So they signed, they signed Norris Indergaard. Why not sign a Scherzer? Why not throw Zach Greinke in there too? Maybe a Stroman put some proven guys in there who can get wins and then see if this team can go out and win it in one year. That's a, that's an interesting team. Like I didn't think about that. Imagine like a Mike Trout, Max Scherzer, exactly just throw all the stars in one place and it just and, also happens to be la and then shohei otani yeah but uh so the jays signed birrios a big seven year 131 million dollar deal robbie ray a lot of people yeah. were saying that like he had a really a cy young like season this year do you think that he'll set resign with toronto but after that Birrios signing a lot of people are saying like okay i guess robbie ray's not coming back so what do you think is a good fit for him? Is it the same situation with like the Angels, like that realm? Or do you think they'll, he'll kind of branch off to like a more contender-like team? Yeah, I think the latter. I don't think he'll go to a team like that. I, and I think specifically the Angels will sign a lot of short deals. Robbie Ray pitched so well. I think he, win, he will win the AL Cy Young. He earned himself a, a four or five-year contract. And Pat, actually, we were talking about it yesterday on our pod. Pat, Pat said something really, really smart. He said every team this offseason is going to try and find the next Robbie Ray because Robbie Ray was so bad in 2019 and 2020. He had one of the highest walk rates in all of baseball. He took a flyer deal to the Blue Jays one year, $8 million. Wow. That's it. And he's literally, he's literally going to win the AL Cy Young. So that's obviously the the anomaly that's what yeah, everyone that doesn't happen often for. yeah but i was on i was surprised to see brios's contract be so big because they have ray to think about and they also have marcus Semyon to think about and both of those guys were one-year deals both of those guys earned themselves multi-year deals i think they should go after Semyon 
as opposed to Ray, just because Ray's asking price is going to be so unbelievably high. Yeah. Let me try and think of some teams. Uh, like maybe the White Sox, maybe the Astros. The Astros are going to have a little bit of money to spend, especially since they might lose Correa and their pitching staff really isn't that strong. Ray would be a nice veteran presence. The Giants, I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants went after Ray. They have a ton of money to spend. It's going to be in, I think you you said it perfectly, it's going to be in the contending level, but also a multi-year commitment with a hell of a lot of money attached to it. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds about right for because he's gonna wanna. He got so close to that with the Blue Jays this year because they were like kind of on the on the edge of the wild card spot. Like that race was unbelievable. So I oh, feel yeah. like I feel like he wants to be kind of a surefire. Definitely. Freddie Freeman turned down a hundred and fifty million dollar deal. Do you think he walks or do you think he'll ultimately resign with the Braves? I think he will he will resign with the Braves. The bottom line here is that if the Braves aren't going to pay Freddie Freeman, I don't know who else you will go after. He is one of the best first basemen in the league, but more than that, you said it yourself. When you think of the Braves, you think of Freddie Freeman. When you think yeah. of Freddie Freeman, you think of the Braves. And especially after winning the World Series, the fans would literally just riot in the streets if yeah. Freddie Freeman went anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I heard a podcast saying I – like quote unquote, the guy said he's like, I don't think Atlanta will have a fan base anymore if they don't bring back Freddie Freeman. <laughs> and it sounds dramatic, but it's literally not. Yeah, because he's like that the face what, of the franchise. Happened. Like yeah. after how good he is as a player, how good he played, just won a World Series. He's a free agent, and you have money to spend. Why wouldn't you just spend everything to bring him back? Yeah, I'm doing some quick math right now. I think I. I did 200 divided by seven. I think that's my, that will probably be what the range is in like a six or seven year deal. So he can be a brave for life because that's what it should be. He, he is, he's earned that. He got and his championship. I, so he yeah. doesn't need to chase a ring. And I think it's going to be in the 25 to 30 grand range per year, probably upwards of 30 because the one they, they always lowball at the beginning. The same thing happened to Korea and they just immediately say no. And then they, they halt all negotiations in season to let them focus. Freddie Freeman has literally done everything he's needed to do. Yeah. Now you just got to pay him. It's honestly, remember the last time I was on your show, I think we were talking about Dak and the, the contract that he signed. Yeah. It seemed like if he had just gotten paid earlier, then the price tag might not have been that high. It almost seems to be a similar situation here. They've waited so long. They've played with Freddie Freeman for so long that now he's going to ask for $200 million and he deserves it. Yeah. And it's their own fault for not giving it to him sooner. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of it plays out. And I want to have you guys on again, once all these signings get out of the way. Oh and, yeah. I'm so you, excited. And like you and Packer come on and like, I can just tee, tee a player up and you guys can go just like ramble on, but uh, <laughs> that would be great. A Rosarena in India when the rookie of the years, do you think those are the right picks? Yeah, India was very, very obvious. I think he was nearly unanimous. It was maybe 29 out of 30 votes, which is which is a bummer for him, obviously. But he was just he was so good. He his on base percentage was amazing. He had 20 steals, I think. He's got power at the top of the lineup. And then Arozarena, I I thought the AL rookie of the year race was was more interesting because it wasn't as clear cut. Yeah, they won Rosarena in there. Yeah, and and that was the reason why it was so interesting is because 
Wander Franco is the best rookie in all of baseball, period. And it's not even close. He just didn't play in enough games. Yeah, he to came make in pretty himself. late. Yeah, I think he only played in 70 games, and it's tough to give him the award. And what makes it so crazy, too, is that Arena is 28 years old. And he obviously has played before. He was the postseason yeah. hero in 2020. That's how everybody knows him. So That's so I weird thought... to think about. But the same thing happened in the NHL, too. Like, Oh, Matt, did it? Yeah, Matt Murray was a goalie for Pittsburgh, won them a Stanley Cup, but he was still considered a rookie the next year. He won two Stanley Cups, and he was... A rookie both years still under rookie status yeah they have to get was, rid of that role yeah it's because so it's, weird it's ridiculous yeah yeah but uh emma thank you for coming on this is a lot of fun um wish i got you on longer so we can kind of <laughs> talk uh go a bit more but i think it'll be a lot more interesting once we get all the answers to the mlb free agency because right now everything's just speculation so now totally so once it's a bit later into the off season we can kind of get your opinions as it happens and all that but uh let the people know where they can find your show or shows now that you're uh ripping two with pat but uh, social medias, all that, go ahead, plug away. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Emma underscore Houghton nine. My last name is H-O-U-G-H-T-O-N. Pat and I co-host the Did You Hear pod, which is also on Blue Wire Hustle. That's at Did You Hear pod on Twitter and Instagram. And then our new State of the Nova Nation Villanova basketball podcast is on Twitter at S-O-N-N pod. And you can find all the content on Spotify and Apple podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts. Yeah. Everyone go leave their pods a rating. It's an unreal show, uh, baseball content, football content and college basketball. It's uh, yeah. You guys are putting out some wicked content. So keep it up. Thank you. And everyone, this is episode 67 or no 68. What did I say? Yeah. Six, uh, 68. Um, head to Apple podcast. Be sure to leave a rating and review to help grow the show. Uh, all my socials are at, were plugged at the beginning. So just rewind to hear those. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>